Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. As we've been going through the book of 1 Timothy, we have seen that Paul was writing this to Timothy so that he would know, so that the church would know how they are to conduct themselves in the household of God. So much of what we see in 1 Timothy is very practical. It is giving us instructions for how we are to organize ourselves as a church. We've seen qualifications for pastors and deacons. We've seen um, uh, an instruction that we are to to, um, focus on the Word of God and the public reading of Scripture. Um, and, And part of what we do as a church is not just meet together and teach, but part of what we do as a church is care for one another to care for the needs of the body. And the, the, the bulk of the text that we're looking at tonight is talking about caring for widows. We have two widows with us tonight. God's heart beats for widows. God loves the widow and the orphan and those who have no one to help them but Him. And He expects His church to have the same kind of a heartbeat, to care for the widow and the orphan and for the foreigner and for those who are destitute, the poor and the sick and the needy. So here in the text tonight, the first few verses are actually dealing with everyone and how uh, Timothy should relate to people in different ages in life. But from verse 3 all the way through verse 16, we're going to be looking at tonight, it's dealing with how the church should relate and how the church should care practically for widows. So let's go ahead and, and read our text. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially for members of his own household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they may desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having, aban- for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is so practical sometimes to how we are to live. And Father, we just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear tonight as we look into your word. You would feed us and nourish us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In the last passage, in um, um, 1 Timothy 4, uh, we saw that Paul was commanding Timothy, command and teach these things. Um, and and uh, Timothy, as, a, as his duty as a pastor, uh, was to teach the Bible and, and to exhort and to command. And yet, um, this next passage here in, in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 5 kind of shows us he, he's not to lord it over them like some translations might use that. He's not to be domineering, but rather um, he is to show proper respect for people according to whatever age they are. Uh, he says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. And a young pastor with not much experience Whenever he wants to go one way with the church and, and he may get some criticism or opposition from older uh, men in the church, they might be tempted to, to lash out, to, to be angry about such things. But uh, Paul here uh, reminds Timothy, this younger pastor, that instead he is to treat that man, regardless of whatever uh, differences of op- opinion they may have, he's to treat that man as he would a father. Um, and now that assumes a healthy relationship with his father, doesn't it? Uh, not all relationships between fathers and sons are healthy, but I think this assumes there's a healthy relationship there. Also, he says younger men as brothers um, and older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. Uh, this, this, I think, all points to the fact that as a church, we relate to one another as a family. God has adopted us as his children. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we, we are not to think of ourselves as some kind of a hierarchical structure where, where uh, a pastor is, is able to just kind of be the bully who pushes everybody around. But no, we are a family, a family of God. 
And particularly at this last part of that of verse 2, um, it says, Younger women as sisters in all purity. Um, the pastor, uh, Timothy here, and any pastor should, uh, um, should deal with women in all purity. Um, there, there, there's been too many stories of, of men, of pastors, who have fallen into sexual sin um, because he has he neglected what's being said right here. Now the rest of the text that we're looking at tonight is about widows. Honor widows who are truly widows. That raises the question, what does he mean, truly widows? He tells us, he tells us here in this text, but uh, I mean, if, if your husband has passed, we would think, oh, well, that's truly a widow, right? What, what Paul, I think, has in mind is someone who is destitute, who has no family to care for them, who has no uh, other means and is dependent on the charity of others. Um, here, uh, Paul is saying, honor widows who are truly widows. And, and um, he goes into talking about caring for them, letting children or grandchildren care for them first. Um, when it says honor here, we want to notice something. Uh, if you look at the next text that, we'll, text that we'll look at next week, verse 17 says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Okay? And, and there he goes on further and he says, you shall not muzzle an ox whenever it treads out the grain um, and the laborer deserves his wages. There, the word honor, a double honor, is, is showing that, this, that a pastor should be paid. Um, and I think uh, when, we, when we see here um, that it says honor widows who are truly widows, I think that it has the same sense of honor like an honorarium. It's, it's caring for their physical needs. With if this widow that may be destitute, that has no one to take care of them, uh, then the church should take care of those widows with, uh, that are among their members who have no one else. But there are limited resources. We'll have a little bit of thinking about economics tonight as well. We don't have all the money in the world. Now, we do believe in the God who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, right? But at the same time, He hasn't put that in our bank account. <laughs> so, there's limited resources to go around. And there were limited resources to go around in the church of Ephesus. So, you had to have some kind of way to determine who can we help and who we can't help. And here, Paul gives instructions that if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them be the one to help them. Let the, let the, let the children or grandchildren be the first ones to fall on uh, to take care of, of, uh, of widows. It gives them an opportunity for ministry to show godliness to their household and to make some return to their parents. This is pleasing in the sight of God. Um, for one, this, this is an opportunity for ministry. Don't think of it as a burden for younger people who have to take care of their parents. But no, uh, remember, this is an opportunity to serve the Lord, to serve and, and care for um, those who need the help. 
Um, Mike here, Mike uh, Neepert is not here with us tonight. His father is um, on hospice. He's been has had to miss several weeks, and and that uh, I think you know we're not talking about widows in this circumstance, but it's the same uh, I think principle. Um, he's caring for his own family, and in do- so doing, he's he's uh, he is um, uh, learning godliness as he cares for his household. Um, and this is pleasing in the sight of God. Our motivation for this is not to be a sense of burden, but our motivation is because we know this pleases God. It pleases God when we are able to take care of our aging family members. Verse 5. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these, as, these things as well that he, so that they may be without reproach. So here, Paul is not only saying that there's a financial... Um, or, or a relative um, stipulation, okay? Paul is, is saying, first of all, it needs to fall on the family of the person to take care of the widows. But also, we need to make sure that since we have limited resources, that these resources go to help those widows who are godly, who are devoting themselves to prayer, who are praying night and day, uh, and not those who are... Um, just accepting the money and living in their own, following after their own heart and after their own uh, desires. Verse um, 7, command these things as well, which echoes what we've heard before. It echoes what we heard in verse 11 of chapter 4 where it says command and teach these things. It echoes what we heard in uh, chapter 1 also. I can't remember exactly the verse, but uh, there, Paul has been continuing to tell Timothy what he is to teach, what he is to exhort. And uh, Paul says, command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. Um, by giving, uh, by, by uh, giving money to those who are self-indulgent, as Paul describes it here, it's encouraging that self-indulgence. And so I think what Paul is getting at here is they're not to fund that kind of a lifestyle so that they may be without reproach. Verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I think what Paul is getting at here is Anybody knows, just out of, their, out of their concern as a human being for others, they would take care of their family members when they fall on hard times. Any pagan would do that. And if believers don't do it, it's a reproach on the Gospel. It's a reproach on the Gospel. And Paul here is saying they're worse than even an un, what unbelievers would do. Verse 9. Now here it talks about let a widow be enrolled. 
Let a, so I think there, there seems to be some kind of a list of widows that are being taken care of by the church, that are, that are um, provided for. Um, these are widows that would be um, widows indeed, as Paul has been talking about. Widows who have no family, no children, no grandchildren who are there to take care of them, and widows who are godly. He says, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. Hear that first uh, qualification here, the wife of one husband, is the feminine form of the same kind of concept we see in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 when it gives the qualifications for pastors. A pastor is to be a husband of one wife. And as I said, when we went through the qualifications for pastors, I think what husband of one wife means, or literally in the Greek, it's a one-woman man. I think what that means is somebody who has a proven record of being faithful in marriage to their wife alone. I don't think this is a prohibition on uh, someone who's been divorced before, uh, but rather it's something that has a proven track record of being faithful to their marriage vows. And in the same way, I think um, uh, this text, whenever it says a woman has been a husband of uh, a wife of one husband, again, I think it's it's saying that uh, this wife, this widow, should be someone who has a proven record of being uh, faithful to her marriage vows as well. For instance, think about uh, someone who was widowed at an early age and then remarries and then is widowed later. Would this mean that this woman would be disqualified from being a part of, uh, of the widows to be enrolled? I, I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's saying this, that, that it's a woman who has a proven record for uh, marital faithfulness. Having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works. So this is talking about a woman who has, has been a servant in the church. Someone who has labored, someone who has cared, someone who's been an example of the very things that, uh, that the church is called on to do for her. A reputation of good works. But, I'm sorry here, uh, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the feet of the saints... Hospitality is a big deal here as well. Hospitality is something that, uh, that is also listed in the characteristics of uh, the qualifications for being a pastor. Someone has to have hospitality. Here, uh, a woman, this, one of these widows, if she wants to um, be able to receive from the church, is someone who has to be, have, have a record of, of sharing what she has and showing hospitality to, um, to those within the church and even those without of the church. Um, has washed the feet of the saints. Someone who shows an example like Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh, and yet He knelt down and He washed the feet of His disciples. Uh, and, and He did so as an example because we were to be servants of one another as well. Here, um, uh, the, the woman who is to receive... Uh, care from the church like this is one who has um, has cared for the body of Christ herself um, and has cared for the afflicted as well cared for the afflicted cared for those who are oppressed and persecuted and um, 
devoted herself to every good work. On the contrast here, Paul says, but refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they refer to Mary, uh, ref- desire to marry. Now, I don't think here Paul is pr- putting a prohibition on marriage. Earlier in chapter 1, he had already stated it's the false teachers that are forbidding marriage. So he's not saying there's anything wrong with marriage here. Rather, I think probably in order to get on this enrolled list of women, maybe they had, they had to take a vow that they wouldn't marry again. Maybe. That's one possibility. And if they were to then get married again, they would be breaking their vow. That's a possible way. Or other, uh, other possibility would be poss- uh, it would not be good if someone then ex- uh, who's younger, a younger widow, would uh, accept the help of the church and then uh, marry an unbeliever. And I think that second one may be... Uh, uh, maybe uh, the more likely one there. He says, um, but, in, but refuse to enroll younger widows for their passions, uh, draw, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for they have abandoned their former faith. Uh, the way that, that, that being married again might cause them to abandon their former faith, I think only fits if they, if they uh, end up marrying someone who's an unbeliever. Verse 13. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, not, and not only idlers, but gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. Again, this is talking about younger widows. Instead, Paul wants them to be productive, to marry, to, um, to raise children, to manage their households, and do the productive work that a young woman can do. Uh, and not just accept the funding from the church so that they can go about and follow their own desires. Verse 14 So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. Again, I think uh, there must be a circumstance here within the church of Ephesus where Timothy is at. There there must be examples of this very thing happening. uh, of, of, Of women who have strayed from following Jesus because... Um, after being widowed, um, maybe these instructions weren't followed. Because he, he gives, for some have already strayed after Satan. Verse 16, finally, the last verse. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that they may care for those who are truly widows. All of that I think I'm going to sum it all up in this. There are limited resources. And so uh, the church should be wise and the church should give a priority to taking care of widows who are destitute, who have no one else to care for them. But at the same time, if if a widow has family to take care of them and, and they're able to do that, 
then that is what we do. And that is how one, one way we obey the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which I'm, I'm giving to you. Also, we want to remember James. And James um, tells us that uh, true religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Um, God's heart is for the widow, for the, for the orphan, for those who are destitute. And it is our responsibility as a church, as Christians, to, to do what we can to alleviate that suffering. Now, I want to step back for a moment. It feels to me, and maybe you've noticed this, that what I've been preaching tonight has been primarily law. Do this. Do this. And oftentimes I have to draw attention to that whenever we... Because I want to preach the Gospel. I don't want to just emphasize the things we do, the things we do, the things we do. Let's, let's take this um, angle on this. We all were destitute. We all were hopeless without Christ. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And Christ, while we were yet sinners, left heaven and came to rescue us. He became poor so that we may have the riches of Christ. Amen? So, when we think about our obligation as believers, whether we're family members of those who are poor and destitute and we need to take care of them, or whether we're a church and we're recognizing our responsibility, the thing that motivates us is that we were once destitute and poor and Christ came and He saved us. He has provided all that we could ever need in cleansing us, in adopting us as sons. He cares for us. And in response, we then care for those around us. We're both within the church and to the nations. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.